Good evening and welcome to the Lapid Monkey Music Show. Tib on Brant Bjork. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could do this. I've been enjoying your music. Obviously, I enjoyed you earlier on with uh, Caius and then and then and then Fu Manchu and and now like God, all the way through the 2000s, your solo stuff or with the other members, other members of other projects. I wouldn't call it just solo, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> solo driven <laughs> so yes yeah, exactly you you are the lead force in all of them i really enjoy it um what i think is really cool and what i jump when i jump into is is i always like i love the fact that you start off as a drummer but you're now you, your vocals and guitar and i always like the songwriting process i always feel like it's got more of a rhythm to a musician when they are are based in drums and obviously dave Grohl's the easy um thing to put out there for most people to know who may not know different types of artists but it feels like it's very driven and riff driven. And I kind of hear that in your music. Do you feel that? Uh, clearly. <laughs> yeah. The uh, rhythm is the cornerstone of all that I do. Um, <clears throat> I love song craft and I love to express myself through song, music and word. But um, ultimately what got me in the game was just my uh, inherent rhythm um, when I was younger, I obviously started out banging pots and pans and evolved into a a drummer. And um, you know, but I I got I got an acoustic guitar not not long after I I got my first drum, and so I kind of started both instruments for the most part at the same time. But even with the guitar, I I, I you know to this day I don't read or write music i barely even know the notes I, it's all rhythm to me yeah i really think anybody that's actually in a band cannot read music i only think people that can read music are usually people teaching it <laughs> because i <laughs> talk to so many people and it's not it's not a dig towards anybody because it really talks about the intuitive nature i'm saying because it's, it's 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 almost a different two different mindsets almost it feels like sometimes to do that yeah do what you sound and then which you hear and you know, you're like, what chords do you play? What are you playing? Like, I, I know a billion guitar players that can't read music, but they've got yeah. the, the best albums some of the best riffs and you watch them play. And it's like, what the heck, where are you get this from? You know, <laughs> um, I started playing guitar yeah. years ago, just late in life because there's YouTube and I could visualize it and I can't read music. I'm like, there's no way I would ever play, but I'm like, you know what? A lot of people can't. And with YouTube, you can kind of learn to get the ideas for the basics. And just yeah. knowing enough about that and then listening to players, like listening to you and other players, you hear these chords. That's why it's funny. You saying you don't have any formal background. You're like, where are you getting these notes from? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's a bit of a mystery. I, I mean, I, I just recently read something on Paul McCartney and I was surprised to learn that he doesn't even know music either. And uh, that's, that's quite astounding to me, but um, given all, all the music he's created, all the different, kinds and yeah but i think it's just rock and roll i mean i think you know rock and roll came from from blues and or, or a good part of it and um you know a, a lot of those if not most if not all those guys weren't trying to learn you know teach themselves the fundamentals of music they were too busy just expressing themselves jazz is a different story of course but oh, um yeah. yeah and you know for me the punk rock's how i got in the game and you know i mean it's just wasn't necessary um, for better or for worse. <laughs> you, you've, you've had a sound and, and I kind of feel like it's 
quite linear from even Caius and even when you're in Fumichu to, to yourselves of now, it really has like a groove and a laid back feeling. And and definitely um I know it's like desert rock or whatever, but I mean, it feels really to me more like classic rock to me when I listen to your music, especially your solo stuff. You know, and I mean that in a good way. It just feels like seventies warm kind of just chilling music you know i I don't know how how you feel yeah no i i i think i think you're spot on i mean um my ears were absorbing 70s classic rock as a kid Mm -hmm. and um as i said i mean punk rock's what got me excited about trying to, to to you know learn an instrument well enough to start a band and and have that band evolve enough to get involved in the local scene, which which I did, and, and um, that was that was the extent of my rock fantasy, and it 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 just continued to to evolve, and you know, at some point, I I just um, I was um, free to kind of kind of just, I mean, I I kind of burned out on punk rock pretty quick, and. Um, um, and I'm I'm grateful for it being my foundation, and I and I still love all all the that music, and um and it's still very much a part of the spirit of what I do. But right once once I'm once I moved on from that, I mean, I stopped looking to the future musically. You know, sometime in the '80s, I just started going backwards. Yes, and right. um and and I just liked classic rock. I just I like the way the music uh, made me feel, and I, I like the songcraft and um, the sound. The, you know those rich classic sounds, and and of yeah. course the rhythms. You know a lot of a lot of the especially the seventies rock bands. I mean a lot of these drummers, all those guys are coming from a jazz back background. That's why they have such great swing and, and groove. And then of course the seventies. You know there's a lot of great funk and. I don't, you know, even the disco stuff is, is, is like, um, there's I, I even, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head there. Well, it's, it's neat. And what I like, and I'm hoping there's going to be some new people that haven't heard you and heard some of your stuff. As they say it, it's not classic rock. And it feels like, cause you think where you're coming from musically, the other bands, it'd be like, you know, you know, the doom or stoner or desert sometimes have like fuzzy, fuzzy effects or different sounds, which I, I love personally too. But you actually don't have it. To me, it, found, it feels like it's like you're you're on the fence, like you're straddling two types, and you kind of combined it. Where it's not sort of classic rock, but it's not stoner. So it's like you kind of have your own hybrid version of what it is of your music, which to me is kind of more enjoyable because I can't. It's not like oh, I've heard that before. All your albums sound like something I've never heard before, and as a fan of music, it's very enjoyable to 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 be able to listen to an artist that does that. Oh. Well, I appreciate that. I, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I as I ventured out as a solo artist, my my goal wasn't to to be. You know, let me, let me put it this way: when when we were young and we were in Caius, I mean, our goal was to to make the heaviest rock ever made. <laughs> I mean, we were eighteen year old kids, um, smoking grass, and 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 we were in it. And we were in it to win it. Yeah. And we created some pretty heavy rock, you know, I mean, rock yeah. music is, is a, it's a, it's a different thing. It's a different animal today than it was back then. Um, 
but we wanted to respond to like, you know, Sabbath and, 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 and deep purple and, and, and all those great seventies captain beyond and all that stuff. That was us trying to respond to that in, in a nineties context, you know? Um, but, and I'd got that out of my system by the time I became a solo artist. I, I had yeah. no, there, that wasn't the, the game plan anymore. I, I, I was, I listened to jazz and blues and, and, and I'll listen to dub reggae as, as much as any Sabbath these days, you know? So it's all mixed in the, the, the soup that is my, <laughs> my solo music, you know? Well, you, you stayed original and I think, and, and take a minute to go back to Caius. I mean, you guys were the only band because you guys were obviously in a desert in your town. Were there other bands around you? There was a, really wasn't much of a music scene, I believe, right? So you guys kind of in your own isolation and and um and and ingesting what you guys like for music, you kind of created once again kind of a your own, another eclectic sound because there's no one else to compete against or be influenced by. You guys were just who you were, and, and became another great great band, but. The sound itself still kind of had its own sound, and I wonder if that's because there was a lot of other, yeah, you know, what I'm other bands that compete against. By the time you guys started playing out and doing other other outside of your your town, you already had your sound that you were established with. It wasn't like you you like created your own sound prior to hitting the road or or being on other bands. Yeah, um, we definitely came from a very insular, very. Uh, tightly knitted scene in the desert. It was very small, but, but, and it eclectic is definitely a word that would apply. Um, but it was a, it was a, a, a scene driven by a handful of people. And, and it was, it was, I mean, punk rock was the, the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in 1981, I don't think all the bands in DC sounded like minor threat. And and all the bands in L.A. didn't sound like Black Flag. I mean, um, no one sounded like us. There were great bands. Um, we weren't we weren't looked at as some phenomenon or or some you know. I mean, when we broke out and started making waves, you know, our 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 fellow desert folk was was just as surprised, if not more, than we were. Um, <laughs> but it did force us to. Um, you know, when you're isolated out in the middle of the desert and you got a bunch of people, you know, in the middle of the desert wanting to party and rock all night. I mean, you know, there's definitely a, um, there was definitely a, 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 an expectation that you're going to bring something unique and genuine to the table. Um, and because of that, all the bands sounded different and um, yeah, no other band sounded like Kai. So we did, we, we, we knew we had to, find our own thing and and we did yeah we did that very much how how is without getting to the dynamics of you and josh or anybody but i'm kind of curious now to your songwriting back then to now how was the songwriting early on for you guys in the band was it collaborative and were you writing stuff bringing in josh like how was that early on for your your songwriting is what i'm really focusing on like your growth as a musician well i mean over the years Clearly, Josh and I have grown apart. And yes, yeah. I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't even say I even really know him anymore. But, but when we were young and we were kids, we were very close. 
um, and musically speaking, we both were young. We both were discovering punk rock. We would, you know, swap records. And we jammed early on. Um, and I'm, I'm talking, you know, 12, 13 years old. Right. And um, the thing that him and I both uh, had in common was we both had a critical listening ear and we could sit down with a record and decide what about it, um, what, what songs we liked, why. And um, we became songwriting partners. You know, we would sit there and listen to Misfits songs and be like, we recognized at a young age that the Misfits, in terms of songs, was was far and beyond most punk bands. We're like, this is not some joke. These guys write great well, songs. Well, there's a melody buried underneath everything that you didn't get listening to it, like just listening to it. You had to really take a minute and, and go deep. Yeah, well, punk punk rock and, and, and certainly hard, by the time it evolved into hardcore, I mean, kids weren't sitting down dissecting those those songs and records, but Josh and I were. And that was a big part of what made Kaius what it was. And we became songwriting partners. And we were trusted- Were you playing guitar at the time too? I'm sorry, were you yeah, playing guitar? Yeah, okay. yeah. I know so it was like just I, drums and guitar, or you, were, you guys were songwriting together with guitars. No, we, we wrote songs together with guitars. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, so all the songs that I wrote for Kaius were, you know, I wrote, from well, obviously from a guitar okay. um and we wrote closely we were we were and we wrote a gazillion songs before caius even recorded that the you know the the fans have never even didn't even know existed i mean we we were writing fools because we i guess the point i'm trying to make is that josh and i we love songs songcraft. we like good songs period it, it regardless of the genre of music Okay. Well, that makes sense because it shows. I mean, you have a wealth of material soul stuff. I want people to kind of roll up their sleeves and, and and dive into. We'll talk about that in a second. But your growth as a songwriter—it's very interesting to me because you have your own sound. You've always stayed your own sound, and how your songwriting has gone over the years. When you left the band, I know you took some time for yourself, and you, you didn't. When you were uh, Fu Manchu, were you writing at that time too? When you were drumming for Fu Manchu? Oh yeah, I wrote quite a bit of that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so no point have you ever really stopped. You've always kind of just kept writing. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I've never thought of myself as just a drummer ever. I mean, you know, I I I heard a, a an interview with Bill Stevenson from The Descendants one time, and Black Flag, of course. Mm -hmm. And he described his origin as a musician, and and I couldn't have related more. He just, you know, he, instruments are just tools for building a song. Right. And he'll play whatever he has to play at any given time. And but the, the goal is to create music and a song and um and get it out there. And and um so like he said something along the lines of like, yeah, I don't even play drums if I'm not working with my band. And I'm <laughs> I don't I don't even I don't even have drums. I mean, I stopped playing drums twenty years ago because I had nowhere to put them. You know, <laughs> so I but but it's like I wasn't freaking out because I it was all about creating music, you know, and if, if the drums are here, let's get some drums. If there's only a bass, well, let's, we'll start with that, you know? So I totally related what he was saying. Cause I, I come from the same type of background, you know? What was the impetus for you to make, to say, all right, I've done enough of the band things. I want to be the guy in front. I want to be playing like internally. Were you like, it's really time to be that guy. 
Well, it's always interesting when you're part of the creative force and you are the drummer. That's that's a trippy experience. Well, it seems um, like it's I, always I had, different in every band. Though. Like, I'm sorry, like it seems like it's different in every band. Like sometimes the drummer is like kind of the, it's supposed to be like the engine, the driving force. But some bands and some musicians don't look at it like that. So it feels like sometimes the drummers like in the back, and sometimes they're a big part of the process. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so. Um, yeah, as you said, it, it 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 just depends on every situation is different. I mean, John Bonham is clearly one of the greatest rock drummers of all time, but I, I don't I, I'd be willing to bet he probably didn't have a whole lot to do with what made Zeppelin <laughs> musically what it was. He just was a fucking great drummer and he knew how to take Jimmy Page's song visions and and turn them into great rock songs. Yeah. I mean, Bill Ward um, from Black Sabbath. I mean, he sounds to me like a pretty musical guy, and 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 I totally, I, I think he is because the song "It's All Right" on Technical Ecstasy it might I be, love that song. My, it might be my favorite Black Sabbath song ever. So he he's, I mean, that's like an exceptional song. Like it's kind of like as good as anything the Beatles ever did. So, um, and then of course your example of Dave Grohl. I mean, who who was beating the shit out of drums behind you know Kurt Cobain and then all of a sudden who knew he who knew yeah. he would be <laughs> the biggest arena rock guy I mean it's just hit after hit with that guy so yeah. um but for me personally I you know I didn't have a plan of being a solo artist um I I didn't even have a plan of playing the guitar and I didn't you, to be honest I didn't have much of a plan I, as I told you I just wanted to get into the local punk scene and rock out with my friends and that's what I did. And beyond that, I had to start just making shit up. And, um, but you know, I, I do have a, a need to, to create. I'm an artist. I've always said I'm an artist first before I'm a musician. And, um, you know, by the time I was in Fu Manchu, I'd, I'd written quite a few songs and I supported a couple good rock bands there from the drum drums and, um, involved in production. And, um, you know, I thought about making a solo record or just not even a solo record, just creating a record on my own. And Frank Kozik, um, rest in peace, Frank, who I will miss dearly. He, um, he, he got wind of it and he said, Hey man, if, I heard you're thinking about doing a solo record. I said, yeah. He goes, well, dude, I'll, I'll put it out. Whatever it is, I'll put it out. I said, fine. So I recorded it and my first solo record. And I, I, I was spending a week. It was like, over a week, I was pulling my hair out trying to think of what to call it. My girlfriend at the time was like, what are you doing? It's just you. Why don't you just call it your name? And I'm like, oh, well, I just never thought I would ever do that. She goes, yeah, but you you wrote all the music. You play all the instruments. Like, what else could you possibly call it? And I was like, well, I guess you're right. So I called it Brand Bjork. And I put out my first solo record with Frank on Man's Ruin in 1999. And then from there, it just kind of evolved. You know, I, I again, I didn't have a master plan i just you know I, I left fu manchu and said i'm you know i'm gonna just focus on creating my own music i i had i felt like i had given all that i had to give to fu manchu i didn't feel like you know they they needed me anymore it's a, a well-established rock band and i felt like i needed to take the road less traveled as it related to my me as a musician and i went off and started making music and then it's like Okay, well, now what? 
do I take it to the stage? Okay, cool. So I tried a gig playing from the drums. I said, well, that was weird. Let's try this. I played a big, I'll get the guitar. It was just a process. You know, it, it's, it was, it's literally just a, a process and a journey. And there's, there's real, really no destination. <laughs> I, well, it's worked for you. So it's funny. Cause I mean, you're, you're, you're such a talent. So like to just be like in the back playing drums, which is a challenging thing onto its own, but you, but the fact you can do so many other things, so the fact you just did that for so long, but it made me just think of something. So when you started playing guitar and singing before you played out live, did were you, you record, obviously you play guitar and singing the challenge of doing them together and the struggle of singing and playing guitar. Did you, <laughs> did you get over that early on or, or you, before you started playing live is when you kind of started really trying to do the singing live and playing guitar at the same time thing. It's again, it, as I said, it's a process. And what I've, I mean, I've put out over, I don't, I've lost count 13, 14 solo records now. Yeah, I got like a bunch of, yeah, you got a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you go back and listen to my first record till my last, what you're really hearing is a guy learning how to do stuff. I'm, 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 you know, that's the punk rock spirit in me. You know, it's like, um, but I mean like know, singing I, and playing at the same time, the coordination part of not the brain doing two different things at once is what I'm talking about. The struggle. It's, it's say. hard. It's, it's really hard. And I couldn't do it in the, in the beginning. And, but you know, it's like anything, I couldn't play the drums at one point either. You know, it's like, it's all about, you know, it, it, it's all how, how bad do you need to, to do this? <laughs> Cause you know, it's like, I, I really like, if I'm going to tell my musical story on stage, I'm just going to have to figure out how to do it. You know, it's, it's like, it's just assimilation. I mean, if, if you, if you, if you move to France and you're going to get involved in the culture, you're probably going to have to learn how to speak French. And it's like, I'm, I'm on stage and I've got something I want to say, and I've, I've got to say it in the context of a rock song and I got to play the guitar and I've got to sing it. I've got to figure out how to do this. And sometimes I just throw myself on stage and say, well, now you, now you're going to just have to, and if I fall on my musical face, then that's how that's how it goes, and and God knows I've done it many times. I mean, that that's that's the punk rock spirit in me, and I'm that's what I'm grateful for coming from that school. I mean, I know people, I know guys that sat in their their bedrooms for five years trying to learn the guitar before they got out on stage playing for their friends, and I'm like, forget that, dude. It's like it's like classic Johnny Johnny Ramone quote when he's telling the Clash in '75 or '6 or something. He's all, dude, what are you waiting for? Get on stage. Look at wait wait till you see us. We we fucking stink. You know, it's, it's great. It's classic. You know, it's like, that's it. Just do it. <laughs> that's what I've, that's what I've been doing for, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> still doing, doing, still doing trying to figure well, shit like, out. Well, I'm still you, trying you, to figure you, it out. No, but it's, I think if you do have this do it yourself attitude, I don't know if it's from the desert or just inherently who you are inside, but not everybody has that. And to me, it's always interesting the journey of how somebody gets to be a song or a record or a performance because not everybody looks the same. Some people, you're right. Don't touch the guitar and the guitar players, like consider a guitar god. When they get off tour, they literally keep the guitar in a the case. They're like, I haven't touched it in five months. I should probably break it out and start warming up before tour. And they're like phenomenal. It's like, and some people live with the guitar. So everyone just has a different yeah. way of how they approach music. It's always interesting. Yeah. No, when, you're, when, you're... And that's why it's interesting because your 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 approach is totally different. At this point, though, like you you were pretty established, like touring and playing and everything, and then COVID kind of hit. During that time, did you take the time to record a lot? And then like the changeover from COVID back to touring again, what was that like for you? Well, I, I did, I did finish a solo record during COVID. 
and I released it during during COVID as well. Um, that was my self-titled record. Um, and then after that, um, I started my side project, which which was Stoner, with Nick Oliveri and my longtime drummer uh, Ryan Goot. And um, Stoner was was I know it's kind of a cliche term now, but it was it really was a pandemic project, and um, and it evolved into this this it kind of snowballed, and we went with it, and it was it was good fun, and we we made a couple good records and an EP, and um, we did the usual uh, circuit, you know, Europe many times, Australia and and uh, the states, and it was rocking. I mean, the, the the stoner kind of burned out, but but it was it was it was far far more than what we had bargained for when we started started that um, that project. But at, at right now, I'm just now kind of getting back to solo work, and um, it, it's 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 literally the the first real solo. Um, outside of doing demos and stuff during COVID as well. Right now I'm, I'm really, you know, I've got a new, new band together and, and we're going to do some dates and this will be the first time I get, you know, get some serious momentum going again with, with, with my solo stuff. You think, since, uh, since, COVID, since COVID. Right. Well, it's, it's just interesting because some people are saying it's fantastic coming back even more, not just because they haven't performed, but the fans are so like hungry and almost like appreciative Maybe not so jaded because you know you didn't see bands for so long. You you weren't burnt out. You weren't like they'll be here next month. Like there's so many going on, and I know and we can talk about your your next gig. Is it? I got. I think I have it marked down. Is it the? Do you, is it the New York show? Is the next one the Desert Fest? Uh, we have we have a festival out here in the desert in Palmdale in uh, early July. Okay. I think it's like the like the eighth or the ninth or something like that. I have to look okay. Who, so yeah, I mean so. You are starting to play out. You're going to tour. Is festivals? Are you going to do like a little everything? A little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I can't tour hard like I used to anymore. I mean, you know, I I, I got kids and and um, um, I got to be close to close to them. They're in L.A. and I'm out here in the desert. I want to be be available more often. So I'm I'm starting to wind down the uh, the aggressive touring, but. Um, but we will be doing festivals and some club dates here in the States. And, and then I'll be doing the same uh, over in Europe. And I think we're going to South America in the um, early, early January. And then maybe late later next year, back down to Australia and New Zealand, stuff like that. That's cool. So, so, then you, so which album are you promoting right now? I'll be honest with you, because I look at your albums and, and here's the problem is like on, on, on streaming media now, a lot of times like, I'm finding like the dates of releases aren't always the right things. I look, I look at the same date or like the, the information is never the same. Like when, like my albums, I know the information is true. Right. So like to get the dates of some of the stuff, I'm like, when you released this one, was it this date for this album? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, confusing. I, I, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm a big history buff and I'll go on iTunes and I'll see some artists that I like and I'll see their record discography and i'm like there's no way that record came out in 2009 there's right no and that's, that's but it's just when there were yeah it's like a reissue or something yeah right um, so, right now i'm i'm not um necessarily promoting 
any particular record. I mean, I did release a solo record. Um, I think it was last year. Was it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I re I, I released Bogan via Sweet. Yes. And um, so I guess I guess I guess when we hit the stage, we're doing a couple songs off that record. So I, I guess you could say, but I I don't really look at myself as someone who goes out and is celebrating some particular re release. I mean, I I look at my body of work like a jazz artist or a blues artist. Like I, I mean, it's just I put out a record every year. I don't expect that record to to make any more waves than the last one. Um, you know, I, I when I get on stage, I'm I'm just doing what I do, and I think my I think people that are into my music understand that, you know, I'm, I'm not, but I, but I will say that I'm, I'm relaunching my, my record label Duna records by the end of this year, that should happen. We're in, we're in the uh, um, early stages now of getting it all developed and, and put together and ready, ready to relaunch. And um, the first release I'm going to put together will be um, kind of like a 25 year anniversary of just all my, all my records and just like a, a box set, I guess you could say. Wow. And I, I hope to, I hope to get that out um, probably the spring of next year. That'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. How are you? Well, with that, with that mindset, how are you, how are you picking your sets together? Because, and if I could preface this, like, I know like one of the good things with artists nowadays is like with Spotify or something streaming, an artist can just like release an album and they can see what the fans aggregate towards or go towards. By streaming and, they, and it almost picks its own single if you're looking for a single you know what i'm saying like what's more popular to yeah. live that you know it's song because this one's played 50 percent more than anything else that might be a good song right. to play out that album for the fans because the fans are there to hear your music and they like that song yeah no i i think when it comes to playing live i have more of a more of a, a, a 60s spirit and what i mean by that is like you know like i you know, I, I I craft songs and put out records, and I don't expect. I mean, I, on Local Angels, a record that I put out in two thousand three or whatever it was for. I don't think I've ever played one of those songs live. I mean, maybe a couple of solo shows with a guitar, but I don't think I've ever played any of those songs live. And I and I didn't really have any intention to. Um, some songs translate uh, on stage, some don't. Um, and um, for me, the live set consists of songs that just really really like to be performed live you know i i i mean think of like you know i think the, the first example that comes to my mind is like like the who you know like you listen to live at leeds it's like that, <laughs> none of their records sound like that no. you know it's it's it none of their their records that they were creating for for you know the commercial market i mean that was an entirely different that's why they call it the recording art that was the art of recording a rock record but when they, you know, the performance art is an entirely different endeavor. And when they get on stage, they're not thinking about playing, you know, um, you know, what was on the record and how it was on the record. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're not like the Ramones. They're something yeah. else, you know, and that's, and, and even though the Ramones are the cornerstone of, of me being an artist, I, they're one of my all-time favorite bands. I, that's not necessarily all that I do. I, I have a very much, um, that spirit of like, Hey, this song wants to be played live and, and I'm going to play it. And I might even play it for 12 minutes. You know, I like to jam, you know? Well, it's good. But I mean, like, isn't it hard? Like how, like when you have your band this time, how many songs are they going to have to learn? 
before they go out and tour with you because obviously you probably have freedom of your sets and besides jams there's probably a bunch of songs you're like you guys should learn this or are you as on tour goes hey you know what i want to throw some more songs in here here's some songs of some other albums i want to do like as an artist working with you there's got to be a slight challenge because you do have like 13 albums different projects you know what i mean yeah so, well i'm not i'm not i'm not like john fogarty you know like some guy he's got this huge song bank he probably wants them to be played the way they the way they are because they sold a gazillion records and he hires these really solid musicians that can do that i don't do that i i, I play with musicians that i've known and for years and I know how they play and I know what they play. And then I choose songs that I think our chemistry will thrive on. That's what okay. I do. So like right now I'm playing with Mario Lolly. He's one of my oldest friends. And when I was a younger desert rat, he was my kind of like my mentor and he's playing bass from with me now. And Goot's been with me for eight years. I know how he plays. And I grew up watching Boomer play. I mean, you know, he's one of my dearest friends. And so I know I know what we're gonna really thrive on and what's what's gonna really what song's gonna work with our natural chemistry. It's all about going with what's there. I don't I don't wanna impose or try to put a square peg into a round hole. That's a waste of time, you know. So Well, it's interesting because a lot of bands weren't doing that and now more bands are more fluid like you. But I mean back in the nineties when the Black Crows said we're not gonna play any hits. I mean now they've changed again. But when they're like I remember going to see him and they played no songs that were off of it. I thought it was great. But then like people are like, what is going on here? It's, you know. Yeah, well, I guess it, it depends. It depends on the artist. I mean, some some bands can do that. Some some bands, because they were probably in, in the middle of their, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, they probably, you know, they love the Grateful Dead and all that stuff. So they were probably trying to jump into that kind of spirit of things. But, you know, um, but I, I saw Cheap Trick once years ago, years ago, and they didn't play any of their classic stuff. I just, I, I, I just bailed. <laughs> it's like, really, you know, but yeah, they didn't, they, they didn't play like all their great hits, and they were trying to like really celebrate this new record that they had put out, which I didn't, I did wasn't familiar with, and and I'll, I'll be brutally honest, I, I, I was younger and I probably didn't care. Um, I wanted to hear the classic hits, and you know, that's, um, it, it clearly worked for them because. I was probably one of the few people that wasn't interested and left, but, and I still love cheap, cheap trick. But my, I guess my point is, is that like, you know, not, not, not more than two or three years after that, someone was telling me they did a tour where they played like, you know, in color and in, in its whole yep. entirety, you know, and it's like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then the next night they did, you know, the next record in its entirety. And it's like all, yeah, Dream Police and the one, you know, with Surrender and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, see, I would have loved to seen that. You know, it just depends on the band, I guess. You know, whatever works for whatever band. Um, but that's what works for me. You know, I don't, I, I just kind of handpick what I think will work with the musicians I'm playing with. And then, um, and I like to jam, you know, I, I, I like to jam. When I'm on stage, I, I came from a jamming background um, that's how I learned to, to, you know, just be out being on the desert when we were kids, you know, yeah. we'd go play a party, you jam, you don't play a 30 minute set. People are out in the middle of the desert. They just drove out to the middle of the desert. They don't want you to play for 30 minutes and go home. They want you to play all night. Yeah. <laughs> so you just start playing, you know? Well, it, it's made you who you are and it's developed your sound. Um, I want, I want to thank you for being, for, for being on the show and, and taking some time today. Um, 
where can people, where, where do you want to have people reach out to you to see what's going on with you the, the most? Like Facebook or Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, I have like, a, where do you want people? I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so bad with that stuff. I, I have, I have a friend who, who helps me out with that, but, um, I mean, I guess it's Facebook and I'm Instagram. Um, and I'm, I'm in the process of, uh, building the Duna records website right now. And okay. we should be, we hope to, uh, launch that probably around early September when we get ready to take off on our, our little West, West coast run. So we'll, we'll, um, have everyone look out for that. Duna records. I think it's .net and, um, or .org. See, see, I'm so bad with this stuff. I don't even know. Um, it's good for fans, though, to know where to go to see you. Like, if there's a yes. tour date, you know what I mean? There, there's yeah, a certain Instagram, part of social, social media where it's important. <laughs> Instagram and Facebook right now. Instagram, okay. probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the best place for right now. Just, just to keep up with you so they know what you're doing for any releases or tours or anything. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, man. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.